yeah, just this morning, I'm like, I just so do not want to work. I'm a CEO. I'm a CEO. The podcast. Left brain, right brain. I'm a CEO. Diary entry. I'm so used to working every single day of the week. Weekends mean nothing to me anymore. I think art and commerce, business and creativity, productivity and beauty can integrate. I'm excited. When I get excited, I just want to dig in. Everyone is born creative. Artist CEO. It's taking so much more time than I ever imagined to make this dream come true. Hey man, I'm just faking it till I make it. Hi, it's Carrie. Welcome back to Artist CEO, the podcast where we explore what it takes to make business and art live in harmony. When we last left off, Shannon was letting go of her artist studio spaces, which were both a second business and a direct connection to herself as an artist. The growth of House of Who, her branding agency, was causing her to have to focus on just one thing. That thing? Work. Which seems to have thrown off her balance. I got a really great reflection about how if I'm not balanced, that reverberates throughout my entire team and the company, almost as if the business itself has its own consciousness. I start losing my center and finding myself saying things to my team that shouldn't be disclosed, treating people in a way that is not from a place of centeredness and compassion, letting my my ego throw a tantrum when things are not going the way that I want them to go and feeling totally reactive and off-center because everyone is demanding my attention and I feel obligated to give it. This continues to go and I see the reverberations in the business because people start emulating my behavior either by working reactively and also not taking care of their, themselves, prioritizing work above health. They see me set an example where I'm working until two in the morning to try and help deliver this client project and then waking up again at six. And some of them are helping me do it. And while I appreciate it for this rare instance where we had to do that to make the project go successfully, it's also something that I can start seeing in the eyes of my team where they start worrying that this is the new normal. Shannon and I have both struggled with burnout in the past, but we don't think that it should be a necessary part of being an artist CEO. At least, we hope it isn't. Just really taking stock in the importance of my own self-care and my own clarity and balance and what's required for that and how... It frustrates me to no end how much downtime I need in order to be on when I'm on. And of course, I want to be able to work 12-hour days, seven days a week at full sprint, but I can't, or at least not forever. (laughs) I can for a little while. And then I have to recharge, really shifting my thinking around that, that it's no longer about 
even doing it just for my personal health, but actually for the health of my business. There really is no extrication. Like when you're running a business that is close to your heart, that you are passionate about, which I hope you are, because, oh my God, I can't imagine running a business and putting in this much work for something that I'm not passionate about. Yeah, there is no separation between me and it in the sense of balance and health and clarity and creativity. So your business has a consciousness. And if it's your business, it kind of takes on your consciousness. Speaking of, there's something else about our consciousness as women that can come up and mess with our ability to be a great CEO. And that is trying to do it all alone. Is it okay to hand off to your executive assistant calling your mechanic and finding out what you should do about your decapitated driver's side mirror? Asking her to make a simple call to a co-working space to see what kind of Wi-Fi speed they have for when I want to try out working there on Wednesday to see if this remote working situation is going to work when I know it would just take me five minutes to look online or even call them myself. Is it okay to hand off things that not only do I know I can do would take me almost no time to do them and don't actually free me up that much more in terms of time but frees me up significantly in terms of space and especially mental space, psychological space, emotional space. That's what I feel like the issue of the day is where I'm really having to face my own sense of guilt, I guess, and feeling overly privileged and entitled, which I think is an ongoing thing that you don't hear a lot about in business. And maybe that's because there's a whole bunch of people who they just know that that's what they have to do. And maybe they're better being CEOs than I am, but here I learn. Or you might be like me and are just a control freak that can't let things go. I'm working on it. I am the daughter of two elementary school teachers and the granddaughter of a dairy farmer. I like to joke that I've been in the branding industry for four generations. <laughs> no, but seriously, we have, we have a brand, a Dion brand, that they used to stick actually on cattle. Okay, but I digress. The point is, I am used to being a worker, and I feel like I value rolling up sleeves and working, and therefore doing oneself all of the little things in order to achieve the big things. And this sense of getting help, you know, initially within my brand team, but even in my personal life, I really struggled with it. I really struggled with feeling privileged and bourgeois and spoiled and, you know, like my fingernails aren't dirty, but instead have high priced manicures on them 
that is very uncomfortable to me, but I'm having to reframe it away from that dichotomy because I don't actually think any work is better or worse. I think it's just different and I think we all contribute. And if we all recognize that no one is more important than the rest, then it feels like a true collaboration. And the, and the organization that I'm building here, I want it to feel like that. I want everyone to feel valued and I want everyone to feel important and not in like a, you know, kitten hanging off a branch, hang in there, cheesy 1980s corporate posters kind of way. But I mean, truly, like if any one of those people was missing, we would all feel it. And the entity, the, the organism of the company itself would suffer. I looked up some current day cheesy motivational posters. One said, individually, we are but one drop. Together, we make an ocean. I don't know if this is a bunch of bullshit or not. You tell me, but it's just <laughs> it's where I'm at in my process. And I feel really strongly and I'm becoming ever more passionate about learning what does it take to be a good leader and in this case what does it take to be a good CEO and, and creative director I mean those are my roles that's what the company is paying me to do and I take that responsibility very seriously and I want to honor the work that everybody puts in and I want to honor the work that I put in and if I'm being absolutely neutral and totally unemotional I realize that it's actually my duty to hand things off and it's disempowering to my executive assistant, to my project manager, to my creative team, to my finance director, bookkeeper. If I try and micromanage those tasks by thinking it's my job to do them, that that's disempowering to them. That's saying, oh no, you know what, you can't handle your job, so I'll do 50% of your job and 100% of my job. Which, by the way, if I'm doing 50% of your job, I'm certainly not doing my job at 100% capacity. So, here I go, handing off every single thing that I can, and realize that in doing so, I'm serving my team, I'm serving my company, and yes, I'm serving myself. Because I'm determined to be a badass spirit in a CEO human body to birth this creation and this company into the world that I know is possible. Because I believe in it and I believe in its mission and I believe in its creative gifts. And part of that is just like an artist would ruthlessly defend their space so that they can facilitate, cultivate, and foster the quietest, deepest, most mystical parts of the creative process, so must I, in my professional life, hold space. I must create boundaries. I must hold to those boundaries. And I must, with eyes on the horizon and feet deeply rooted and heart radiating open and gut simple but sharp, I must declare 
This is my space. This is my space and my solitude and my quietude and my truth. And from here, no rush, no pressure, no stress. From here is where I am most powerful. From here is where I will be of greatest service to this world. Dang, Shannon. I'm sorry. I totally believe in your ocean. And so does the IRS, apparently. Guess what? We're official! I just got the paperwork back, filed with the state of California, for our incorporation. And respectively with the IRS and federal government, of course, of course. And on that paper, it says... Shannon DeYoung, President and CEO of House of Who, Inc., stamped official. I feel like even if you just work for yourself, you're a solopreneur like I am, CEO is a good title to have. Because how else can I say on my taxes, consultant, coach, designer, marketer, teacher, bookkeeper, healer, artist, strategist, salesperson, executive assistant, tech troubleshooter, and janitor. But alas, I still haven't filed for incorporation. Play in the sole proprietor game. I think 2019 might be my year. I'm officially a CEO. <laughs> I've been faking it till I make it, and I guess all of a sudden, I made it. I mean, you never really make it in the sense of being done, and God knows I have a whole lot to learn about feeling valid and certainly feeling like I know what the heck I'm doing, but it's hard to deny the fact of what you are when the state of California, the federal government, and certainly the IRS has down as your technical legitimate job title, CEO. Now, just to validate the fact that I feel like I'm an artist, is there a stamp of approval for that? Anyway, here I am, House of Who's first employee. We also just got done with our largest project ever. This was definitely a turning point for us. The budget for this one project was equivalent to our entire budget of last year. In one project... We surpassed how much we made over the entire year. And that wasn't even net. That was just gross. It's like we're in a whole new category. Now it's really building a new company. So I, I, I'm asking myself right now, like, what does this mean? What does it mean to have all this abundance? All this money to work with? I mean, you know, let's let's keep it relative. It's not like I'm working with you know, seven, eight figures here, but it still feels very different. Whereas I've been scrapping this along, making, you know, <laughs> barely enough to survive in the Bay Area 
And I know I've been paying my freelancers who are incredibly skilled, well below their deserved pay rate. And now I can give them the hours they're requesting. I can pay them a little bit more per hour. I can share the wealth. And more than that, I have a little bit of security that we will actually make it through this first year as a formal company. Wow, that's really exciting. Now comes this necessary evolution. I suddenly look around and I need to build a team. No, no, I need to build a company. I need internal evolution. I need systems. This is where my artist brain starts to turn off a bit. Systems, I know, I know, it's totally important. CEO Carrie, focus. Something happened when I got that stamp in the mail today. It, it made me realize you have to jump. You have to jump into this role and don't look back. And I don't care if it's faking it till you make it at times, but you have to own it and live up to it. And so I've decided to take it seriously more than I ever have before. On the artist side, I've definitely felt this. When I was working on my one-woman show, making $15 an hour as a freelance content manager for a storytelling startup, and I hired a director at $50 an hour to help me, it got my butt into gear. I rehearsed by myself every single day to make those six hours a week with her I could afford count. Sometimes you got to call in the experts. I talked to a lawyer, an executive coach, a CPA. I reached out to a voice coach, a money advisor, retirement, investments. And all of these people have also started to reflect back to me that what I'm doing is real. Meanwhile, in Shannon's personal life, I'm sitting in my apartment in Berkeley, my 600-square-foot apartment. That's $3,500 a month. One bedroom right across from the freight line that is still running its train at 3 in the morning. Settled in nicely, except for the fact that now we have to move everything out because we're no longer going to be doing our artist studios. And so... We are no longer going to live in Berkeley. We're going to head out and head northward to a place that's a little more rural, a little more relaxed, a little more nature, to get away from all this hustle and bustle. Oh, yeah, and the rents are cheaper. So we haven't found a place yet exactly. We think it's coming, but we did find this old sort of one-bedroom, barn-like rental that's really affordable. Um, and also the indoor plumbing is dodgy. But, you know, <laughs> that's how we roll. We just have to get out of our apartment because our lease came up, and they want like $500 more a month. And we've only had our lease for five months. And that reminds me to thank the New York City Craigslist gods every day for my rent-stabilized apartment that helped me out when I was starting my business. We figure new start, new beginnings. And does it make me more or less credible if I'm now officially a CEO and yet officially don't have hot running water again? 
Maybe it's that as my professional side is growing and becoming more valid, the starving artist in me wants to feel like she's still roughing it. Grrr. Shannon, have I ever told you about the time I lived in an attic in Bedsty, Or in Bushwick in the McKibben lofts with just enough room to stand up and not hit my head on the pipes? We have way too much in common. Back to business. The stuff that is coming in, the client projects, the money, the team. This is, this is happening. For the first time, I realize that this dream is coming true. And I'm trying to figure out how to act out this story that I seem to have started, which is, can I integrate my art self and my business self into one person into one company, into one mission, I feel like here is the narrative that I have begun <laughs> this podcast, which is chronicling the journey, and it's reminding me every step of the way, is this even possible? And with these new things coming in and, and this growth that is before us, how do I make art and business live in harmony without killing either the art or the business? Well. That's why we're doing this, to figure it out. But I'm really not sure. I haven't heard Shannon talk about acting or writing for a long time in her audio diaries. It's been all business. And then all of a sudden, we have a new client who wants the whole shebang. We just sent out a pitch. And they want strategy, naming, design, launch, collateral, materials. All of it. Which sends Shannon on another flurry of business activity. But it's still summer, and what she doesn't realize is that taking a vacation, just a week-long vacation from her business, will kick up all the latent artist feelings she's been squelching while House of Who grows. Before she left town, she recorded an audio diary about it. I remember when I was younger, I was really obsessed with time. Like, really obsessed with time. And how I tried to always figure everything out beforehand. If I could just like look ahead to the moment I was going to die, there I am on my deathbed looking back and I'm saying to myself, oh, thank God I did such and such, or oh, if only I had this and that. And if I could just know what those such and such and then this and that was, then I could plan ahead and be very efficient in living a full and satisfied life because I would already have the answer of my older, older self of what I should do. So I would obsess about what the right answer was and what should I do, and not even from like a cultural or a you know, family pressure kind of way, but from me trying to anticipate what kind of judgment would I cast down on myself when I was on my death store. And I, I think it was all in an attempt to try and avoid regret and avoid the feeling that I feared so much, which was to wake up at some age that I deemed would be old. And of course, now as I get older, old doesn't seem so old anymore. But I would, I would want to avoid that feeling of, no, here I had this perfectly good life not just perfectly good, this amazingly brilliant life. And I wasted it. 
And here I am waking up and looking around and going, my youth is gone. And maybe I have money or maybe I have accomplishment or accolades. But I don't have what really matters. Because what really matters to me is fill in the blank. So I spent many years just trying to avoid not putting the wrong fill-in in the blank. And that made me, you know, I think do a lot of really wonderful things. I, I left corporate jobs to go perform my one-woman show, got an opportunity to tour and perform in Manhattan, off-off-Broadway. Woohoo! You know, like, God, that feels so right. That feels so much more me. I... You know, I, I remember not getting a job right out of college, and I worked at um, Pete's part-time, and I volunteered at 826 Valencia and McSweeney's and The Believer because I didn't want to rush into a career because I saw a lot of people rushing into a career, and I didn't want to do that. Instead, I wanted to make sure to spend time with my ailing grandmother, and I got to spend, you know, some of her last months with her, and that was so meaningful. So I think that this paranoia of not living from regret in a lot of ways has served me. And then there's just a break in the audio, and I hear Shannon going up the stairs, the sound of keys, and unlocking a door. kind of crazy out there. What was I saying? I don't want to regret anything. And I'm so worried about needing to know what things are supposed to be in the moment. And that I should know where I'm going. That sometimes I'm afraid of just being where I am. Because the funny thing is that I've learned, thus far at least, is that while I was constantly pursuing the things that I thought were more real and authentic and satisfying and fed my heart, I was also always inevitably going to have to avoid or give up or lose other things that also may be worthwhile and enjoyable and feed my soul and heart. And I think that's the big, the big grief of life is that you only have, at least to the best of my current knowledge, only one go around in this ego at least. And I guess that's been a big trial with running my business. You know, it's like I left working at a big corporate juggernaut because it didn't feel, I mean, it felt soul-sucking. It's the big cliche, right? It was like, yeah, what is that movie? <laughs> Office Space? <laughs> it was like that, but worse, <laughs> but real. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I've, I've made that choice to leave several times, and in the end, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to freelance and I'm going to do my own thing so I have time to do my art. And then little by little, I wanted to build my own team. And, and the creation that I wanted to make was a business itself. And it's been so satisfying to 
to do this business and to be on this journey and to consider this my creative endeavor, and I absolutely believe that it is. But there's also the fear of if I give so much of my time and energy and pour my my soul and my youth and my energy into building this business, am I going to be missing out on something else that I would have wanted more? And I guess that's an eternal question. I sound very, very millennial right now. I'm on like the very, very edge. I don't know if I could be considered a millennial. I think I'm the last year of the millennial spectrum. I barely get in under the wire. So while all of these I know consume many of us of this generation, but I also think that it actually consumes every human being on the planet, which is even if they just have to ask themselves once in a whisper, in a dream, in a sideways glance of, is this what I want? And, and is this worth it? And that's what's been the real irony of this whole thing is that building this business is exactly what I wanted. I've, I've dreamt of this and the way in which I'm doing it, it's even more beautiful than I could have imagined. I mean, the, the lessons and the humility and the learning and the people that I'm meeting and working with and, and, and this team that I'm building and processes I'm learning and, you know, operations I'm studying. And I mean, it's, it's fascinating and it's glorious and it's enriching. And I don't think I could ask for anything more from, you know, a, a growth opportunity in my life. And I think that if I were choosing a different path, like to only be pursuing my art, I think it would probably be the same thing where there's always going to be something else that you're not getting to do. It's the opportunity cost of commitment. And for a long time, I was really indecisive and I thought, oh, I don't want to, you know, commit to this one thing. And I tried to keep multiple balls in the air. <laughs> okay, I still do. <laughs> but I mean, I would toggle back and forth between them. But it was really like just about a year and a half ago, really, that I committed to building this business. Like really just, all right, I'm all in, like 100% in. And when you do that, there's no turning back because you can't have buyer's remorse and you can't reverse time. And you just have to hope that when you jumped, you made the right decision. And you have to hope that, that, that the journey that you're walking as you go along is going to be if anything, interesting, because otherwise, why the hell are you doing it? I mean, the money. I mean, the money is nice. It's nice to build something that's, you know, financially sustainable and is also satisfying. I mean, that's what, that's the, that's the million dollar question right there as to how, but, but even so, here I am, I've jumped, I'm in it. And I guess kind of just like this podcast, like, I hope it's interesting to someone. If even just me. <sighs> Does running a successful business mean that Shannon has to give up her art? Is her art now just creating the business? Or is there something more? Find out next time on Artist CEO. My name is Carrie Lowe. You're listening to Artist CEO. 
co-produced by House of Who and Milo.co. Music is by CF Watkins at cfwatkins.com. Follow us on Instagram at at helloartistceo and visit our website at helloartistceo.com. You can also sign up for our email list to get the behind the scenes on current artist CEO experiments that me and Shannon are doing. So each week we alternate picking some kind of experiment or challenge that we think will help us integrate art and business or be a challenge for our CEO or a challenge for our artist. And then we report back on what we've learned. So you can sign up for that at helloartistceo.com. Till next time. Skin, through those old books that-